A young patient is brought into the emergency room having suffered a traumatic brain injury. Hypothermia may be considered as part of the treatment regimen. If so, how soon after the injury should treatment begin? And how long should treatment last? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment focused on children's health. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Jamie Hutchison, Associate Professor of Critical Care Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Toronto and Research Director of Critical Care Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Dr. Hutchison is the lead author of research published in the New England Journal of Medicine on hypothermia treatment for traumatic brain injury in children. Welcome, Dr. Hutchison. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. We are discussing the logistics of providing hypothermia treatment for traumatic brain injury. Dr. Hutchison, just how do you cool someone down for hypothermia treatment? We use the techniques which have been around for many decades, simple surface cooling techniques. So we simply put the patient on a blanket or mattress with circulating cold fluid and then we use bags of crushed ice. We put the ice into two plastic bags to prevent leakage, and then we will cover as much surface area of the body as possible and usually protect the skin with either paper towels or pillowcases to prevent cold-induced skin injury. And then we will put another blanket over top of that, a forced air blanket to just force ambient temperature air down through, such as a bear hugger blanket to put forced air down through the ice onto the patient. We monitor core temperature. Our technique is to use lower esophageal temperature, which correlates well with jugular venous bulb or brain temperature in young patients. And then we just cool setting the blanket as low as possible. It's very important for safety reasons if you're trying to reach a target temperature, which is, say, 32 to 33 degrees Celsius, to make sure you take all the ice and the upper blanket off the patient when they reach the upper range of your target temperature because they can tend to, once they start to cool, they can overshoot and cool too low. And so sometimes you even have to put the blanket, the servo-controlled cooling mattress or blanket on rewarm to prevent that overshoot below the safety threshold of 32 degrees Celsius. Now, do you cool through the nasogastric tube or through a Foley catheter as well? We do use, if the patient is refractory to cooling, we will use NG iced saline, just rapid infusions and, and withdrawal of iced saline, and that seems to be effective as well. We haven't used bladder infusions because just the the surface cooling technique together with the iced saline gastric lavage tends to bring the temperature down rapidly enough. How rapid does it bring it down? We can usually do it within two hours, bring the temperature down from normothermia to a therapeutic range. Some patients who are obese that tend to be very to generate a lot of heat and be hyperthermic in that the first few hours after the injury are difficult to cool though. And so they're trying to heat up as you're trying to cool them. So, But the majority, I think you can reach a target temperature within two hours. What are your thoughts about the data released by Polderman in Lancet? So Polderman recently published a paper in June, which was a review of 
hypothermia therapy use and for multiple different indications. And with respect to traumatic brain injury, I was in complete agreement with what he said. This was just a couple of days prior to our study coming out when he was saying that hypothermia therapy still requires further study, that it appears that likely if you cool early for long periods of time, at least three to five days, and then rewarm slowly over at least 24 hours, that this may be effective. But this kind of protocol cannot be strongly recommended at this point in time. It needs further study. I am aware that these types of studies are going forward, both in adults and in children, with with this exact type of protocol. And you're talking about three to five days in hypothermia. Right. This is what many people think that that's the question that needs to be answered in terms of current studies that are enrolling patients. Well, how do you determine whether it's two days, three days, four days, five days? The protocols are different. We did a systematic review which was published in the Journal of American Medical Association a few years ago showing that a cooling duration of greater than 48 hours led to an improved outcome in terms of comparing across study randomized controlled trials of adults. And many of those studies to determine the duration of the cooling, what they would do is they would cool for at least 48 hours or at least 72 hours, and then they would only rewarm once the intracranial pressure was controlled and once the CT scan was beginning to show, repeated CT scans were beginning to show improvement or resolution of the cerebral swelling edema. So it was really based, the the duration and the start of the rewarming protocol was titrated depending on the patient. It is clear that patients are different from one patient to the next. Some patients may not have a lot of swelling, whereas others have a lot of swelling. So it does make sense that the duration may need to be titrated for a given patient. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Jamie Hutchison, Associate Professor of Critical Care Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Toronto and Research Director of Critical Care Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. We are discussing the logistics of providing hypothermia treatment for traumatic brain injury. Dr. Hutchison, who initiates the process of hypothermia treatment and who should supervise the care over time? In our units, it is ordered by the medical doctor, and in Canada and in the study uh, centers, it was the pediatric intensivist that initiated this, and it's a combination of monitoring by the intensivist, so the physician and the bedside nurse, and it's very important to, when you're doing it, to be very vigilant about the depth of temperature and maintaining a therapeutic range and watching for skin-induced injury during surface cooling. So the personnel who do it have to be trained in how to do it, and they have to have experience. Well, how do you prevent from frostbite and and other skin injuries? So we just simply watch the skin. So we leave, leave the ice on for a certain duration, a few minutes, and then just look under the ice, and then if the the skin begins to have erythema, we move the ice packs 
within our study, we had no incidences of skin-induced injury. And as I was saying, you only use the ice during the induction of hypothermia therapy. Once therapeutic temperature is reached, then the temperature can be maintained simply with a servo-controlled mattress. The other important thing over days is the skin has to be watched very carefully. So we advocate log rolling at least every four to six hours and, and skin inspection because simply just lying on a mattress, particularly a cold mattress, may lead to skin-induced injury. How do the parents uh, respond to telling them we're going to do hypothermia on your child? So parents have been very supportive of us using this. If they think, they always ask the question, do we think this may be a benefit to their child? And of course, they support anything that may be a benefit. Are there other reasons that you would use hypothermia, such as strokes or aneurysms in the brain? Stroke is much more common in adults, but children do get it too, and we have used hypothermia therapy for patients with strokes. We have also used it for patients with cardiac arrest. It is currently recommended in adults with ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia-induced cardiac arrest. And I think in the future, it will become standard of care in babies with hypoxic ischemic-induced brain injuries. The jury is still out as to whether it will be a benefit in other groups of patients with, say, cardiac arrest from other types of arrhythmias. Children tend to have cardiac arrest because they have chronic underlying conditions or prolonged hypoxia or shock leading to a cardiac arrest. And it's unknown whether hypothermia therapy will be a benefit in those types of patients. Are children different than adults with respect to the response of hypothermia? The difference is quite marked, especially in the young children and infants, and in that after a brain injury, there is a much higher, and even in physiologic states at baseline, there's a much higher blood flow in the brains, and hypothermia will decrease the amount of blood flow. And so that's some compelling reason to think that hypothermia therapy may even be of more benefit in the young infants. And now the million-dollar question. God forbid your child comes into the emergency room with traumatic brain injury and has increased intracranial pressure, and it's been unsuccessful in terms of decreasing by conventional means the increased intracranial pressure. Would you do hypothermia on your child? Of course. I wouldn't do therapies or enroll patients into studies unless I I felt that comfortable doing it in my own children. So I would definitely say that it should be used to control ICP at this point in time and that if there were any ongoing studies to look at hypothermia therapy for more prolonged durations with a more slow rewarming, I would feel comfortable enrolling my patients and my own children in such a study. Dr. Hutchinson, I'd like you to look into your crystal ball and tell me what you think you'll see five to 10 years from now with respect to using hypothermia as a treatment in children for traumatic brain injury. Yeah, I suspect that these studies with more prolonged therapy and starting as rapidly as possible and then more slow rewarming will show some benefit. It's only speculation on my part, but I suspect that that's the way we'll be using it. There's also new technology to more rapidly cool, and it appears, at least in the animal lab, that the faster that we can 
cool patients, maybe the more effective it will be. So there may be some of these such as intra, you know, invasive cooling devices or special intravenous solutions that can absorb heat more rapidly and cool the patient more rapidly. Perhaps we'll be seeing it used in the pre-hospital setting, too, within 10 years, at least studies going forward. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Jamie Hutchison. We've been discussing the logistics of providing hypothermia treatment for traumatic brain injury. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.